What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 99 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and joining me as always, Vince Cummings. What up, Ben? What's going on, brother? It's the 2016, 2016 kickoff show here on the Tale of the Tape. You ready to look ahead into the future? Oh, man. I, look, boxing needs something to happen this year, man. We need a good year for the sport. Yes, we do indeed. And a good year for the Tale of the Tape Boxing of Podcast. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so on that note, be sure to subscribe to the Pound for Pound King of Boxing Podcasts, the Tale of the Tape, on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel if you haven't already. The audio version is available on iTunes. And every link that you would possibly need to get the show audio, video, however you digest it, is available at theboxingrant.com, the new and improved theboxingrant.com. So we appreciate all of you taking time out of your schedules, bringing us into 2016, and we are here to prognosticate into the future. Time to put our, uh, our predictor hats on and try to uh, paint a picture for how 2016 is going to unfold. You could, you could come out of this show looking like a complete jackass by the <laughs> end of 2016. Oh, there's about a... 75% chance that we're going to get everything wrong, pretty <laughs> know, much, yeah. you know, uh, especially considering the powers that be. But you know what, Ben? Still trying to paint a masterpiece <laughs> in 2016. You and Andre, huh? That's right. Me and SOG, son of God. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, 2016 poses many questions, um, many fights that we would like to be made. But I think more than anything, there's a cloud of confusion that seems to be hovering over the entire sport right now because... There's so much in the air, and the predominant force in boxing being right now, there's, there, there's pretty much two powerful forces. There's the PBC and then the power of the superstars that sit outside of the PBC. Right. So with that being said, are we going to get the matchups that we want from the superstars that, that, that sit outside of the realm of the PBC? And is the PBC going to live up to their initial billing, their initial hype, their initial propaganda, which told us it was going to be the best versus the best? So many things at play right now. The only thing that we do know for sure is a couple fights that have already been made. Yeah, and maybe, look, we, we just saw that Linares and, and Zlati Kanan just got signed. And we, we see that, you know, Linares, a, a golden boy, Tyken promoted fighter, is fighting a, a, a Heyman fighter, which is the first time that's happened. So hopefully this is kind of the beginning of the, the doors opening, the, the, the hands being extended across the table. We'll see. I mean, it's a start. Let's say that. My question is, 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 is Zlati a Heyman fighter? Or is he one of the newly signed fighters by DiBella, by Lou DiBella, when he traveled 
um, over to Eastern Europe and, and signed up a bunch of fighters. I mean, look, the it's definitely cloudy. It's not. Yeah, it's hard to say one way or the other if he is officially a Heyman fighter. But no, but my point is, is that Lou DeBella is a Heyman promoter. Right. So he yeah. falls under the umbrella. Anyways. And the fact that the, the falling out that that Golden Boy had. And I don't think it was as much Golden Boy side about it because they really didn't have any vitriol or or nastiness in the press about their move to HBO. It was it was Steven Espinoza sounding like a shunned, you know, a shunned middle child not getting attention. Right. When when Oscar decided to move across to HBO. So, yeah, I guess, you know what, it's pretty surprising that they were able to get that deal done outside of the pressure of a purse bid. Yeah, I I was really surprised. Uh, Look, and it's. A great fight, and hopefully this is a sign of things to come, Ken. But I'm not going to get my hopes up just because one fight got signed. Oh, yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. I, you know what? I think that um, it does go to um, – look, There's look. we can try to demonize or take the negative in the press about certain individuals, especially, especially those that are associated with Al Heyman, um, and sort of cast a permanent uh, sort of uh, dark light Dark light, <laughs> uh, if that makes any sense. No, like sort of a negative uh, perspective on on people like Lou DiBello, who, who's said some very insulting things to boxing fans and um, is constantly kind of sounding off. In the but you know at the end of the day, I mean he's still he's still a boxing promoter, right? And the bottom line will always supersede anything in the sport. Um, if a promoter can make money off of something, they're going to. Yeah, and I don't think there's any you know he 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 is repeating himself over and over again in the media saying, listen, I don't work for Al Heyman, but he does. But I think what he's saying is, is that he's not contractually obligated to Al Heyman. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting, man. And, and, you know, kudos to both guys. Kudos yeah. to Oscar and Lou DiBella, um for getting that done. So what do you want to do, man? You want to jump into uh, the fights that have been made? And, yeah, uh, yeah and, let's talk about those. Yeah, man, we'll just run run through um, what we're looking at so far in 2016. We're not going to get too much into the previews here. Just kind of talk about um, maybe we can focus on the fights that are made and implications that they may or may not have for the division and for the right. fighter that you know that's involved. Yeah, We'll try, to, try not to blow our wad here. The first big fight outside of Wilder versus Spielka would be your boy, DSG, a superstar pugilist, squaring off against the ghost, um, Robert Guerrero. Okay, this fight is big in the PBC realm of things. Right. What is Robert Guerrero really at this point in his career? Uh, he is virtually a gatekeeper as far as I'm concerned. It should be an entertaining fight. We'll, we'll have to see. Maybe Guerrero turns back the clock a couple years and, and gives us a performance that we haven't seen in his last few fights, but, you know, I, I'm just really not seeing it from him anymore. Yeah, I think the common denominator, which is which lends itself to an exciting fight, is the fact that both of them have concrete blocks for feet. Yeah. So they're not going to be really, uh, there's not going to be too much movement in this fight. Yeah, it'll be a stand and trade one, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, January 29th, this is a really big step up fight and really kind of surprised mm-hmm. when they announced the opponent for this um, is the first edition of the LA Fight Club for 2016. You're, you've spoken to this about the LA Fight Club, how, how exciting of a, of a prospect platform that this is, what it does for young fighters. Um, it really is because it's dedicated just for that. It doesn't try to moonlight as anything else other right. than being a platform for the next uh, best fighters for Golden Boy. But Julian El Camarón Ramirez, one of our top 10 prospects last year, still sitting well within the top 15 prospects in all of boxing. Yeah. Just some other guys had some monster years. Julian wasn't uh, nearly as active um, or in the spotlight 
in 2015 as he was in 20 uh, in, in 2014. Still one of the very best. Still one of the best boxing IQs for any young fighter in the game. Is going right for Christopher Martin, who is a, a, a gatekeeper opponent who's been in the ring with a lot of the best fighters um, in and around the 122 to 126 pound weight classes. I was pretty shocked that they announced Christopher Martin for this for this fight, but this is a, a good start for the LA Fight Club. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's kind of shocking because we've seen almost everybody in that division that's made their way into the top ten go through Christopher Martin. It's just uh it seems like they fed Christopher Martin to Julian Ramirez a little bit earlier than they did other guys. Yeah. But uh, look, a, a win against Christopher Martin and that that legitimizes Julian Ramirez and makes him a, a candidate for some, you know, really big fights come the end of the year. Yeah, I think they're ready to make a run with him, man. I think I don't know if 2016 is going to be it for him. Right. Um I think when when I last interviewed Julian Ramirez for an episode of the Boxing Rant, he told me that um, in 2016, he wanted to pick up a title. So he wanted to, I think this is for the WBC silver uh, junior bantamweight right. or bantamweight, I mean, uh, title. Um, so, you know, he wants to get a couple trinkets, wants to get some notoriety um, as far as getting himself ranked, positioning and jockeying himself for the shots at um, a full-fledged title. I, I see 2017, the year of, of El Camarón, Julian Ramirez. Yeah, I mean, look, he's he's primed to to make a run and, and make a name for himself. We'll see what happens. I mean, that 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 fight is a big test for him. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be exciting. Um, January 30th, a big night for boxing. Um, Sergey Kovalev versus Jean Pascal, too. Um, this fight, I you know, I, I think it's this is a result of a lack of opponents. Um, yeah. You know, this has to do a lot with the fact that uh, the Adonis Stevenson fight has been tough to make. Artur Baturbiev is is injured now, and, and he hasn't been able to recover from that injury yet. Yeah. Um. You know, I, as much as we want to see an Andrew Fonfara fight for for the Crusher, that would be an amazing fight. Uh, difficult to make. Mm-hmm. You know, so Jean Pascal is the logical uh, opponent here as Kovalev makes his campaign for tw- 2016 fighter of the year. This could be the first of three fights if they're able to make them. Adonis Stevenson in June and then Andre Ward in the fall. If the crusher is able to make his way through that gauntlet in 2016, I mean, check 2016 fighter of the year. Oh, hang your gloves on the wall and walk away. I mean, that that's a hell of a year. You ain't going to have a better year than that. I mean, no. you can't beat three more quality fighters. I mean, you're, you're taking out three of the other top four fighters in your division. You're not, it's not, you're not going to have a better year than that. No. So, you know, I, I don't know about you. I mean, personally, we'll go into the preview here. I don't think that, um, that Pascal stands much of a chance. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care if he's with Freddie Roach or not. No. Uh, good luck to him. Um, I've always enjoyed Pascal fights when he's determined um, and he, he, he's in the ring going after it because, he, you know, he, he's been in. I'll be honest with you, man. Uh, Frotch Pascal to this day is one of my favorite fights of the modern era. Yeah, uh, uh, just a slugfest. Two guys that just let it all hang out. You got to love that fight. Yeah, man. it was an awesome fight. Um, you know, so the potential still remains for the Crusher. The Adonis Stevenson fight, I guess they've made a little. They're, they're still communicating. Right. So that is a big plus, okay? The Andre Ward question, you know, is is really, it, it, it came out after he backed out of the Cotto um, Canelo undercard. When he was, was he supposed to fight at Alexander Brand in that fight or yep. whoever the hell it was? Yeah. Um, that the swelling in the knee, he actually wasn't injured. He just he just pulled out of the fight. 
Well, they, yeah, but didn't the commission kind of tell them, uh, you can't, we're not going to allow you to fight that guy? No, the original opponent, the commission said that they turned down the fight, but when he, when he finally found his opponent, he was good to go, and then he said he had swelling in his knee. Of course. And then it came out after the fact that it actually, he just, you know, his ego wouldn't allow him to be on the undercard yeah. of another event. So he backed out and sat in the crowd and smiled like, you know, this, that, and the other. So then the rumors come across, okay, he's going to fight Marco Parabon, right? And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, great. So we're going to go from fighting once in the last two years, the last three years, and Paul Smith Jr. to Marco Parabon. That's almost a step down. Uh, right. And then, so everybody's kind of like, okay, here we go. Uh, is Andre Ward even, like, really serious about ever fighting again, one and two? Is he really seriously taking this Kovalev thing as a possibility? So then Sullivan Barrera's name comes into the mix, right? I'm I'm all for this fight. Yeah, I think that's a great fight. I I think that's a a fight that Andre Ward will get tested in, man. Oh, dude, Sullivan Barrera is hungry. Sullivan Barrera showed us in 2015 that he has really, really grown as a fighter mm-hmm. under the tutelage of Abel Sanchez, and he works as a very close um, practice partner and sparring partner with Gennady Golovkin. I've seen videotape of, of Sullivan Barrera and Golovkin working together on some of the finer details and minutia um, of like body position and head work and, and, and head placement uh, in close and in fighting and uh, just a really sort of just amazing in-depth look into some of the things that they're working on up at um, up at Big Bear. And uh, Sullivan Barrera is, is hungry. He may lose his mandatory status for Kovalev. Losing this fight would, would definitely detriment that. But I tell you what, man, I'm all for this. And then as soon as there's an announcement, something concrete, that comes out saying that Ward's going to fight Barrera, right, on his path, which makes sense. He needs Ward needs a fight like this if he is going to seriously ready himself for a test like Kovalev, don't you think? Oh, I agree 100%. Sullivan Barrera is a perfect test, like you so, so noted. And Ward comes out and says, premature information being leaked to the media. I don't know who my next opponent's going to be. I don't have a contract. What, he put on some tape of Sullivan Barrera and go, well, maybe not. I don't want that. Who knows? Yeah, is there is there much point at this at at this at this juncture right now where we sit at the very very beginning of 2016 to even try for one second to predict what the hell Andre Ward is going to do? The, the only safe prediction, if you're a betting man and somebody gave you an option of choices for Andre Ward, <clears throat> and they would be fight Kovalev, fight Barrera, fight go down this path, go down this path, go down this path, or not fight. Not fight would be the best would be your best odds to win. Oh hell yeah! Look, and at this point, it's becoming with him. It's 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 like, dude, I don't. I really don't even care. I, I don't. What, what I, <clears throat> come out and say you're going to fight Kovalev next? I, I really look. It, it's just gotten to the point with him where it's so tired and he's so lost, and his vision of himself amongst the boxing community is so distorted. He does not realize. How can you not realize that you need to repair your image? Who is who is telling him that that boxing fans still think Virgil Hunter? Yeah, that's the problem. You have a guy like Virgil Hunter, who is as a trainer, in my opinion, does nothing for Andre Ward. And I think we've seen him in the corner of other fighters. Really, does nothing to improve anybody. He lifts. He, 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 he 
He, you know, he lifts them up when they're down. Yeah, man. spiritual guidance. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, good for him. <laughs> it's a fucking fight, okay? He, we're he's, not... a, he's a guru, not a trainer. Man. Right. <laughs> it just, he's, it, he's so lost, man. And the only way for him to repair it is, dude, fight Barrera. Then fight another guy that is legitimate in the top five. Then fight Kovalev. You win all of those fights and, look, I'll be the first one to go, all right, I knew you were good. You just had to fucking fight, Andre, and thank you. Now everybody will will give you the gratitude and, and and accept you as the person that you view yourself as now. Because he deserves it. Yeah, but because you deserve it, because you got in the ring. No, none of this fucking, I'm done with you right now, man. But then, I was the best in 2011. Yeah, still living off that super six. It's 2016. Yeah. It's 2016. Sullivan Barrera is no joke. Um, I, I think Andre Ward beats him. But Sullivan Brer is the kind of guy that could take a rusty fighter that hasn't been in the ring oh. and hasn't fought in a while and make them pay um, uh, seriously for it. So I, if I were Ward in his camp um, and he had somebody you know decent advising him that was giving him sound advice, it doesn't seem like this guy takes any advice from anybody anyways. Um, and if he does, they should all be fired on the spot because of the way that he has managed his career um, in, the, in the last three or four years. I'm telling you right now, he needs to take this seriously. If Sullivan Brer is the guy, announce it. And I just don't want to see this turn into something where, look, if this were any other opponent, I would be worried about Ward trying to gain an advantage by announcing this thing later to try to get a training advantage over, a, over an opponent, keep three or four guys in the mix, don't really tell you know, who it's going to be until a month before the fight. Right. Sullivan Brer is the wrong guy for that. Oh, he but, stays prepared. Always, always prepared. So, anyways, let's let's move on from this. Um, it, it all kind of circles back January 30th, where we stand. Kovalev versus Pascal, too. Um, there is so much that can happen um, as it pertains to the names of Kovalev, Adonis Stevenson, and Andre Ward. Adonis Stevenson and Andre Ward need Kovalev much more than he needs them at this point. I agree, one hundred percent. All right, let's. Uh, the same day, George Groves makes his his comeback against Andre De Luisa. Um, Groves is going to have to win a few fights to get another shot. I think he's young enough, talented enough. He's going to have to get his conditioning under graphs. He's going to have to learn how to um, manage his energy, mm -hmm. um, not like get so wound up for fights. I think that's a prop, the big problem with him. Do, do you think it's more his mental state and him, him getting so wound up and so anxious? Do you think it's more that or, or or his conditioning, his actual like physical conditioning? I think it's both. They both tie together, which and just sets him up for once he gets to round seven or eight, he's just he's mentally gassed and he cannot breathe. Yeah, and he's just struggling to get through the fight, and that's where that's when he makes his mistakes. Look, this to me this year, at least the first half of this year for George Groves, and he it's a it's it's all about rebuilding the confidence now for him. Yeah, I think he's lost that. And he needs that back. And once he gets that, then we can start talking about maybe he can start competing in the top five of that division again. But until then, with no confidence, George Groves is he's a mess. No, I think he needs to take 2016, do exactly what you said, get used to working with his new trainer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then make 2017 the goal to get another title shot. Yeah, yeah there's no rush. No, it would be a big mistake for him to take this Andre De Luisa fight and then jump right back into a title fight if he was able to get it because it's just not enough time for him to fix what he needs to fix. I think he's in a rush to get to DeGale in his own head. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's pretty damn clear that he needs to fine-tune some things oh, yeah. before he's able to win those fights again, you know what I mean? 
Um, and I think that there's something to be said about the impact that the just the the scale of the weight, the pressure of those two frotch fights on him, mm-hmm. I think did a number on his psyche. Yeah, I mean, the entire world saw him get knocked out twice. Yeah, yeah. So um, it'll be a big year for George Groves. So we'll keep his uh, – uh, we've always covered George Groves pretty closely here. We'll keep our eye on St. George Groves. February 5th, Randy Caballero versus Ruben Garcia. Um, it is <laughs> – you never know with Frankie Gomez, but he is slated to be on the undercard of this fight. Can that kid get it together? I hope so, man. They're, I mean, they're 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 like he he's being escorted around and he's pretty much being babysat right now by Golden Boy, um, dude. There there may not be a more talented prospect, like pure boxing skill and talent. You could legitimately argue he's one of these lost causes. It almost seems like like the guy that you went to high school with and that I went to high school with, who was the best athlete in the school but just decided to do drugs instead. Yeah. You know, or just decided not to show up to practice or ended up getting some girl pregnant and then ended up not taking that scholarship. I mean, that's Frankie Gomez. He's got a scholarship. He He's ready to go to the big time. He's got the ability. Nobody is ever doubting that. But, um, I mean, it's buck-up time for 2016 for Frankie Gomez, don't you think? Yeah, I think if he doesn't get it lined up this year, boy, uh, it, look, it, it's about over for him. I mean, people are, people are going to start giving up on him. I think a lot of people have. Yeah. You know, I think it's his ability and his ability alone that has kept people hanging on because they know that if they can right the ship, there could be big things for Frankie Gomez. Yeah, they got to find somebody that can keep this kid in line, man. Well, it's certainly not his brother because apparently uh, that, that, that hasn't worked so far. No, nah, I mean, look, 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 how many times have we seen the family relationship inside of boxing? Just It doesn't work, man. It really it works sometimes, but a lot of times... It end, you end up going down a road that is just, oh, it, it, it ends up fucking with your career. Well, man. at the end of the day, it all comes back to the fighter. So if the, right. if the fighter is problematic, family members tend to enable. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, it, you know, it's in life. If, if an individual in a family in life struggles, they don't get better if they're enabled. No, and, it, and if you're in a situation like Gomez and you got family that are kind of just they're along for the ride that you take them on. So without you, they don't. They're not anything. So they just kind of let it be. They don't want to. They don't want to. You know, make you mad. They don't want to make any problems here. Let's just. Let's. Everything's okay. Yeah. Well, eventually he's gonna have to pull his head out of his ass. Yeah. Um, so 2016, gonna have to keep our eye on Frankie Gomez and hope that he turns it around. February 13th, Terry Flanagan versus Derry Matthews. Um, it's a rematch. A lot of people don't realize that this is a rematch. Mm-hmm. They had a th- uh, a three rounder uh, back in the day. Um, you know, Terry Flanagan doesn't have many 12 round fights in his, in his bag. Um, I don't predict this going 12 rounds to be completely honest with you. I think Flanagan probably ends up getting him out of there. We'll predict the fight when the time comes. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a big, you know, first big fight of the year, I guess you could say for, um, at least scheduled at this point, um, over in the UK, uh, on the same day on Unimas, something I'm going to be far more interested in. Two of the most exciting prospects, two Ukrainian wonderkins, mm-hmm. um, are going to be fighting on the same card in, in, in just you know your <laughs> typical prospect fights. Um, our number 10-ranked prospect in the world right now, Egidius Kavalowskis, will be in action in the welterweight division. But there's a light heavyweight that a lot of people aren't aware of yet, um, Oleksandr Vazdich. And this guy is cut from the same mold as a lot of these Ukrainian school of boxers, hundreds of amateur fights, fights in a certain very refined um, boxing style, switches up speeds, has amazing power in tip-top shape. 
uh, signed to top rank. This is a top rank prospect card. Two guys, a light heavyweight and a welterweight. Be sure to tune in February 13th to Unimas. This is going to be a fight card um, that you don't want to miss if you want to take a little glimpse into the future of boxing. Yeah, these two guys are, as far as entering 2016, these are two of the guys that are big on my radar, man. Yeah. I'm going to be watching with a keen eye both of those two, man. No formal announcement yet, but it's, I guess, all but a done deal, um, especially considering the fact that the PBC doesn't really announce opponents. So they'll just come out and announce so-and-so versus TBA. Mm-hmm. The fact that this is being discussed with an opponent attached to it tells me that it is done. They're just waiting um, right. to, for, for uh, you know, a formal press conference. Leo Santa Cruz versus Kiko Martinez. Leo Santa Cruz's first defense of his WBA uh, 126 pound strap. Kiko Martinez might be the youngest shot fighter in, in boxing, at least like top 20 fighter in boxing. 29 years old, has just been kind of been a been been teed up for the likes of Carl Frampton and Scott Quigg. Um, Leo Santa Cruz going back to the soft touches again. They got him a shot against a, a smaller fighter. Tried to legitimize it. Through, uh, the WBA threw in a, a belt so. So they could get a big uh, payday from Santa Cruz, and this is the fight he's going to take next. He's more entitled to after the after the Abner after Ab, after the Abner Mares fight to take, you know, a step back and 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 have one of these fights where you can breathe a little bit. But against a guy that's being served up for the sole purposes for so late Leo Santa Cruz can knock him out on national television. Yeah, where's Gary Russell Jr.? Where, where's Lee Selby? Why is he fighting Kiko Martinez? I don't need to. Does, I don't need to see Leo Santa Cruz knock another has-been out. Yeah. I know he can do that. He's already a champion. Either try to unify or fight a number one, number two, three contender in your weight class. Jesus Cuellar. Do they have so yeah. many 126s, man? Right. So he makes this fight and comes out and says, you know, his wish list for, for 2016 afterwards, and it's all those guys, and it's like, What's this? You're gonna take a. Career- I need a tune-up before I get to those. So, yeah. So what do they do? They grab a career 118, 122er, right? And they bring him up to 126 after he's been pummeled by Scott Quigg and Carl Frampton, who are much smaller fighters than oh, Leo Santa Cruz. He's gonna look like a midget. Oh, Kiko. Yeah. 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 He's gonna look like a midget. Yeah. Um. And and you know we know what this is for. I I, I agree with you. I don't see any point in this fight whatsoever. Um. I think that this is just gonna look bad. You know, everybody's entitled to make a living. Kiko Martinez is still young. He should have the opportunity. Um, but when the when when it's on the surface and it's so clear and so obvious that this is what this is for, uh, I don't know, man. He's going to knock Kiko Martinez out, and if not the first round, the second round. It yeah. is not going to last long. Yeah, it's going to end pretty quick. Um, it's going to end pretty quick indeed. The same evening in Germany, Felix Sturm versus Chudnov too. Uh, Sturm trying to get a little bit of revenge. Um, I don't know, man. Chudnov's going to win this fight. Yeah. He, he's just young. Yep. and um, uh, Throws too many punches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sturm is just, you know, yeah. he'll sell tickets in Germany. He'll make some money. Yeah, he's an old, fading German superstar. Uh, February 27th, a loaded, loaded uh, international uh, fight evening. Carl Frampton versus Scott Quigg, the first mega fight of the year. Um, this is as big as it gets. Yeah. This is going to be an enormous event in the United Kingdom. I'm so excited for this, man. Is, is any American station going to pick this fight up? 
have they has there been any talks of that? Because if they don't, they're they're retarded, man. Well, Frampton is a is a Al Heyman guy, so maybe it'll be on Showtime. You would think Showtime International would put this on. I mean, this this if you're going to show me Andy Lee and Billy Joe Saunders, but you're not going to show me this, that doesn't make any fucking sense. No, and if they put this on a wealth of entertainment, I'm gonna no. I'm gonna blow a gasket. You know, guys, it's 2016. Okay, it's time to start. There's this thing called the internet. Okay. Yeah. You can stream your fights. How is it that I can watch an Alexander Usyk fight live from the Ukraine, a country that's at war right now? I can watch that live on my computer, but I can't watch a fight from the United Kingdom, the United States' biggest ally. Yeah. A wealthy, super ridiculously wealthy country that I think has the internet. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they have the internet. Unless Donald Trump gets elected and he, and he takes it away from him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I, I Look, it's 2016. It's time. I saw. I actually saw it on uh, uh, Dan Raphael's wish list was that they would stream UK fights um, in, in the United States. Yeah, I mean, what's it take? I, I don't understand. It's, it's more revenue. Don't you guys like to make money? You have willing customers. A million of them almost sitting over here that want to watch these fights, but we can't get to them, so we watch them for free. So we'll keep watching them for free if you want us to. But Frampton's been on a wealth of entertainment before, and that's what scares me about this. Yeah, is them putting them on that platform where, like, two and a half percent of the U.S. population has access to that grimy ass channel. Yeah, nobody has that. Come on. Um. Yeah, dude. Frampton Quig is that's the as things stand right now. That's the fight I'm most excited for. That is made. Today, that's a fight I've wanted to see for the last two years, and it's a fight that I think has the potential to be awesome. I think these guys could end up fighting three times in their career. I hope so. It, was a, it took a hell of a lot to get this made the first go-around, though. Yeah, well, they're going to make some money off of it, both of them, fighters, promoters, and if it's a good fight, let's run it back, baby. Yeah, br- bring it back to Ireland, Yeah, run it back, and uh, you know, and hopefully we get a rubber match. That'd be awesome, but... Yeah. Um, I still think Frampton is uh, is the superior fighter. I'm with you. Um, the same evening, HBO uh, has a pretty big card. Um, the matchups are, you know, they are what they are. But um, Terrence Crawford versus Hank Lundy, Felix Verdejo versus William Silva. Um, so two of HBO top ranks, biggest stars on the same card the same day. So, uh, at least, you know, it's going to be a busy evening of, 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 of boxing. There's no doubt about that. You know, we, we've already t- uh, touched on the Crawford-Lundy fight in the last episode briefly, and, yeah, it, I mean, it is what it is, man. Yeah, it, it could be a fun fight just because of, of Lundy's style, but, it, yeah, I mean, come on. We all, everybody knows Crawford is the superior fighter. Yeah, um, and also internationally, uh, Marco Hook returns to the ring against Ofa Afalabi. I think it's like their 13th fight <laughs> against one another. So, um, you know. It'll be exciting, if, if, if nothing else. Yeah. March 5th, Chocolatito Gonzalez, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez against Giovanni Segura. Um, internationally, Lucas Brown versus Ruslan Chagev. Um, we will get to Chocolatito here in a little bit when we get to our wish list. April 8th, Grigory Zrad versus Alunga Makubu for the WBC cruiserweight title. This should be a pretty good fight. Yeah, another couple big cruiserweights that you know are going to be uh, throwing bombs. Man. Yeah, just banging it away. Uh, April 9th, Manny Pacquiao versus Timothy Bradley. We're going to spend a lot of time covering that as it approaches. Jose Ramirez on the undercard for right now. Tentatively, I think I, they're trying to uh, find an opponent for Anthony Joshua for the same evening mm-hmm. um, in the United Kingdom. We'll have to wait and see April 23rd. Triple G, uh, I guess the latest is that 
I don't know if this is true or not, that Billy Joe Saunders has agreed to the money, but he wants Golovkin to come to the U.K. I'm surprised that Golovkin wouldn't do it or or won't do it. If, if well, he, he hasn't said he won't do it. Right. I would expect him to just say, okay, fine, let's let's go. Yeah, but, I, dude, I, first off, he's not, I don't think he's going to say that without them having something in place. I mean, you can't just – look, we have a – he's got three venues reserved in the United States. Right. All for April 23rd. He offered this. He offered this guy money to come to the United States, more money than he would make against any other opponent in the United Kingdom. So that money stands to fight here in the United States. Right. That's the offer. Okay, you want the money? You want him to come to the United Kingdom? Okay, well, we'll wait and see. I'm not so convinced that Billy Joe Saunders has agreed to the money. I, I don't I, think so either. I, and, and what this shows you is that he doesn't want the fight. No. No. What do you? If it goes to England, you're going to win the decision? Is that why you wanted in England, Billy Joe Saunders? Because you're going to get knocked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my bet would be that it is Triple G versus Toriano Johnson mm-hmm. um, on April 23rd. That is my guess. And um, I think it's a pretty good chance that that's what we see. May 7th, Canelo, they've already announced that it's going to be a pay-per-view. I think that was a huge mistake. Yeah. Because what it does is it sets an expectation of the level of opponent that he has to face. Yeah, I really, I completely disagree with them making that a pay-per-view. There's no reason for it. You got one coming down the line later in the year. There's no opponent that you can dig up that, that's going to be a what you're calling a tune-up fight. You're, you're, you're putting a tune-up fight on pay-per-view. Yeah, that's the problem. If there was no Golovkin fight on the horizon, don't announce that it's a pay-per-view. Announce, look, when you announce your fight, okay, you have your press conference, Canelo Alvarez versus so-and-so on pay-per-view. Fine. Fine. But you announced that this is, we know that Golovkin is looming. Mm-hmm. So there's no, that, setting that bar that high tells you right away, tells you right away there's nobody else that is worthy of Golovkin. Mm-hmm. So why announce the pay-per-view? I, I just think it's fine. If they want to have the pay-per-view, it's their prerogative. Saul Alvarez has a certain number, a dollar amount, a guarantee that he is going to make for his fight. To be able to make that happen, they're going to need a pay-per-view. Whatever the amount, the cost of the pay-per-view, the scale of it, the number of, of, of buys that they need to be able to pay Canelo and his opponent, it's probably necessary to have it on pay-per-view. Right. But don't go the PBC route and announce that he's having a pay-per-view when you don't have an opponent yet. Yeah. Because it makes it seem like, okay, well, we know we're going to have to pay for it. Well, who's he fighting? Gabe Rosado? Well, no, but that's what I'm saying. Who, Who is he fighting? Right. Nobody. He doesn't have an opponent. Right. So what's the point? Are you printing posters? <laughs> Just get ready, Ken. Mark, are, your, mark your calendar, all right? Are, are the tickets on sale yet? <laughs> hey, man. I, 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 I don't understand it either. I, I really... It, the, the only way that this makes sense as a pay-per-view is if they come out and say he's fighting David Lemieux which they're not going to do. I think it makes sense to you and I. It doesn't make sense. Right. I think it makes sense to them to put it on pay-per-view. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. Right. There are enough Canelo Alvarez fans out there that are going to buy the fight that it's going to pay their salaries. We just saw a 150,000 pay-per-view bought Triple G versus Lemieux card at Madison Square Garden that did half the amount of pay-per-view buys as was predicted for the fight, mm-hmm. and everybody still got paid. Yep. So it doesn't take much. No. 
No, not at all. You know, it doesn't take much at all. So that's what we have so far. Um, there's a couple TBAs. The PBC has, uh, I think, like a dozen fight dates that are listed on calendars that don't have any opponents. So they've already got their slots that they have to fill. <laughs> it's a joke. Fill in the blank, man. Yeah. It's like it's like you just have like a a, a big basket of of name tags, and you're just no, but just it's it's like it's like. Filling out a seating arrangement for a wedding. Yeah, you're right. Should we should we sit them with them? No, they'll get in an argument. <laughs> no, we can't sit my parents near them. They don't get along. <laughs> it kind of comes off like that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. All right, let's get to this wish list. All right, here's some fights that we want to see. Um, some fights for 2016. If we could get half of these, if we could get a third of these, yeah, it would make for a great year. Yeah, it would. Okay, let's go ahead and kick this thing off. Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez versus Juan Francisco Estrada 2. Yeah, hopefully there, there, some steam gets going behind this thing, really. I, I think there's a, you know, obviously the fans and, and the guys who know these two fighters and, and know where they stand as far as being two of the best fighters in the world, and, and they've, they've, they've already fought before, and we've, we've seen improvement from Estrada. And and we know what Gonzalez is, is on pretty much widely considered number one pound for pound in the world. This fight is just something that it, it just has to happen, man. Yeah, it has to. Yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, two. You know, we have um, Estrada ranked number eight on our pound for pound list, so it would be number one versus number eight. Um, I agree with everything that you said. From what my understanding is, is that it's just a matter of logistics why they're not having it as the first fight right. of the year. That this looks like they're trying to make this for the summer. Hey, hey look, that that's fine. It just has to happen, man. It has to. Yeah, I agree. Um, Lomachenko, Lomachenko. Who do you want to see Lomachenko fight? I mean, it's got to be Rigo, right? Yeah, I think so, man. I, yeah, I don't see any other opponent out there that's going to give Lomachenko. Uh, I think there's some opponents out there that that you could give. Lomachenko to make exciting fights. I think a fight against um, Santa Cruz would be exciting. I think, you know, there's a couple matchups out there that would be exciting. But as far as a fight to kind of settle some arguments and and some beef amongst uh, the dorks, the nerd boxing fans, amongst the danglers on, amongst (laughs) the dingleberries for fans that latch onto their guy and defend them into into eternity to shut Max Kellerman up once and for all. Um, yeah, I think Vasily Lomachenko versus Guillermo Rigondial is uh, is definitely one of those fights. I would argue with anybody uh, that would be willing to uh, make the argument uh, that Vasily Lomachenko and Guillermo Rigondial are the same fighter. I don't think they resemble one another Mm-mm. whatsoever. I think their fighting styles are exact, almost polar opposites from one another. I think that the contrast in styles, I think that, this kind of fight with Vasily Lomachenko's offensive ability, with the way that he attacks, mm-hmm. I think personally that Lomachenko might be one of the only opponents on the planet, one that's not afraid of Rigo, that wouldn't kind of stand, stand back and be a deer in the headlights and be afraid of getting pot-shotted like Nonito Donaire did for 10 rounds. Right. Right? I think Lomachenko is one of the is maybe the only fighter in the world that would make Rigo fight. He would have to fight him. He, he could not do 
Lomachenko's too athletic, too fast, too fast moving forward. He would catch Rigo running. There's no way Rigo could run from this guy. No. And I think he would force him to fight because Lomachenko's relentlessness, he would be nonstop with his foot on the pedal against Rigo, and Rigo would have, it would be put up or shut up. And uh, I can't see it. I don't see Lomachenko being the type of fighter that would do si with a guy like Rigo, where Rigo would want to lure him in and get him to fall asleep. I just don't – I cannot see that possibility in this fight. I don't see it either. I think Lomachenko is, in my opinion, the better fighter and by a quite a fair margin. I think he'd win nine, ten rounds in that fight. Yeah, I do too. Rigo doesn't throw enough punches nope. to be competitive in that fight. Nope. He would have to knock Lomachenko out. That would be his only way of winning that fight. And that ain't happening. Lomachenko would out throw him three to one. Three to one. I almost want to see it just so we can put the Rigo shit to bed, man. Well, that's just it. I mean, who's going to fight Rigo? I don't see any fighters stepping up and wanting to fight nope. him. And you know what? Maybe there are, and maybe he's just being an idiot and being Rigo and being mm-hmm. a sourpuss and being a you know, uh, negative Nancy, spoiling the party, demanding too much money. You know, who knows? Who knows? What, what, what we do know, Rigo needs to get in the ring in 2016. Um, and the people that make excuses for this guy only landing 72 punches against an absolute bum, um, you guys need to stop defending this guy. Seriously, yeah. you really make yourself sound like an idiot when you defend a guy that has no interest in a physical encounter in the ring whatsoever. Lomachenko versus Rigandau is the fight that I want to see. Do it at a catch weight, 124 pounds, and let's get this thing done. Yeah, I don't, I don't care about belts in this fight. This is all about... Who is one of the purest boxers in the world right now? All right. Name some more. I mean, look, I, I think Vargas Mira, too, is a, is a fight that just makes sense. But the more I think about it, when, I, you, know, when you say that, I, I think that Vargas probably is going to want to avoid that fight for a little bit just because I think looking at that matchup and at the way it ended, you can't expect Vargas to be able to pull off that miracle knockout and I think it was just a matter of time in that fight. Maybe if, if Vargas didn't finish Mira in the ninth, I think it would have been the other way around by the end of the ninth round, or Vargas wouldn't have been able to continue for the tenth. Right. And I think his camp knows that. So they may, we may not get to see this fight in 2016, but I think at some point, if not this year, next year, this fight has to happen. It, just based on the fact that it was a fight of the year, it's it's a fight that that makes sense for both of them money wise exposure wise i just don't see any reason why we can't get this fight done if not this year very soon yeah yeah i think it makes perfect sense i i agree with all of your points another rematch um which i'd love to see a fight that we were at in in 2016 uh, ruslan provodnikov against lucas matisse and have them run that thing back again because I, I i firmly believe that a rematch would be even better than the first one that, I, I think so too yeah you get you got two guys that are going to be desperate really i mean two guys that are we're talking so talks of matisse moving up to welterweight which really doesn't affect this fight provodnikov can fight at that weight too it it's just a fight that two guys that really don't have anybody else so the winner of that fight kind of gets themselves back back into the, the, the main frame of, of the welterweight division or the 140-pound division, wherever they decide to do it at. It makes sense for both of them, their pockets and their careers, the winner at least. Yeah, I mean, it could literally be this, you know, this generation's Gotti Ward. You yeah, know, you know what could. I mean? Yeah, it really could. I mean, yeah, to, to, to reach that level of epic fights, but I'm telling you right now, to be able to reach the level of a Gotti Ward trilogy, you have to run it back three times. Yeah. You can't just say, well, they only did it once. Yeah, well, you don't. 
I firmly believe that the second fight would be even better, which would then make the third fight even more on the line. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think that you have your Arturo Gotti and Matisse, mm-hmm. right? And you have your 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 Mickey Ward and Provodnikov, the guy who's got a ton of heart and a ton of power, and the guy who's got a little bit more skill and loves to mix it up. Yeah. There you go. You got this generation's uh, version of uh, Gotti Ward. Yeah, and look, for both of them, it just makes 100% sense for both of their careers, man. Yeah, I agree. Um, a bit, you know, a couple big fights, a couple fights that would settle some scores in some divisions, right? Um, Terrence Crawford versus Victor Postal is one that uh, it's hard to tell. We don't hear much from Victor Postal's camp. We don't hear much from Bob Arum about Victor Postal, but it's a fight that makes sense politically, and mm-hmm. it's a fight that makes sense for the unification of the 140-pound division. Is it a fight that Terrence Crawford wants? I can tell you right now, if Crawford keeps getting the opponents that he keeps getting, he's going to need Postal sooner than later. Yeah, you're you're definitely right. Well, we're seeing enough of these, you know, B side matchups with him. This is a tough fight, man. I, I think for anybody at the 140 pound division to have to think about fighting Postal, you, you, I mean, you got to evaluate like, what is this going to do for my career? Even if I beat him, because there's a very good chance that I lose, and losing to Postal and it shouldn't be this way, but you get viewed as well. He's, he's, he's basically done. Not done, but he's not a top-notch fighter because he can't beat Victor Postal. Well, nobody, nobody. It's just one of those guys that I, I, I don't know what it is about him, but it was, it's almost like you couldn't beat Postal. Well, there's a dude. Come on, man. With all the loose, with all the loose-lipped, uh, lazy sort of, you know, like you know, people thinking that you know, 2016, 2015 is the same as the civil rights era and just the everything's racist and everybody's racist and this, that, and the other. There would be a section of the crowd that would say, what, you couldn't beat that white boy? Exactly. And the credit wouldn't be given to Victor Postal because we know how good he is. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's a a crazy matchup. It is. I, I mean... It is two of the more physically superior fighters in that in in that division. Postal being a, a relative giant for that weight class. Yeah, awkward, powerful, um, can make a fight look ugly if, if he has to, and so can Crawford if he has to. Mm-hmm. We've seen Crawford some of his earlier days um, in some pretty ugly boxing matches. Yeah, and we and we saw Postal prove against Matisse that he, there's no fear of getting inside and, and going to work too. He's He's not just a rangy boxer. He can mix it up if you want him to. That would have to happen in that fight at some point. Um, it, it, it is a crazy fight to think of in that regard. I think it would be some really awkward boxing mm-hmm. um, for for quite a bit of the fight, and there would have to be an exchange here and there. That would be the difference. I would fa- I would favor Victor Postal in that fight, um, not because I think I don't think Postal's better than Crawford. I don't. I think Terrence Crawford's a better fighter. Right. I think it's the. <laughs> it's the worst matchup that Terrence Crawford could make for himself in that division. Uh, I agree. I, I really don't. Th- I, I think he was hoping that Postal gets beat before he has to fight him. I was look look. I'm not. I think Postal's one of these one of these Eastern Bloc fighters that's wildly underrated. That's superiorly skilled. Great power. Stays in great shape. Um, I can tell you right now, man. I was I I was hoping that Matisse would would win that fight because the the thought and and maybe that they should still make this fight. Terrence Crawford versus Lucas Matisse would be a ticket seller. I would be the first person to sign up for a ticket to Omaha to go see that fight. Yeah. Oh, that would be an awesome fight. Yeah, yeah, it would be yeah. Add that to the wish list. Yeah. Crawford versus Matisse. Yeah. 
Awesome fight. Sergey Kovalev, Adonis Stevenson. This needs to get squashed. I'm tired of the rhetoric. It's pretty clear Adonis Stevenson does not want to fight a legitimate threat. Mm-mm. He loves the, the, the simple life. He likes going to the beach. He likes the fancy clothes. He likes to eat well. He likes to live better than he has in the past. I don't fault him for that for one second. I do, though, when you run your mouth like you are active and that you want to fight all these tough fights. You know, be what you are. I mean, it'd be one thing if he just came out and said, you know what, man? I'm just, I'm living the life. I don't need Kovalev. Right. But he doesn't. He, he, he comes out and acts like he, he wants those kind of threats in his, in his life. That would mess up his whole world. He wouldn't want that. No. You know? uh, look, he's just one of those guys where... Lobster and caviar, man. <laughs> and like you said, you can't blame him because of where he came from. But at some point, dude, you got to stop telling me that you're the best in the world, okay? You're going to have to fight somebody, okay? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the Andre Ward type thinking. It's like, dude, we, we get it. At, at one point, you... You shocked the world, and at one point, you were fighter of the year, and at one point, you know, everybody loved you. Um, We've seen a lot of guys in the last five years that have that have gotten that fighter of the year label since 2010, we'll say, that after that, I guess they think they're, I don't know, I don't need to prove anything anymore. Yeah, and even kind of even more disturbing is there's a, a layer under the fighter of the year, guys that have big years mm-hmm. that then adopt this mentality that they're an A-side, and then we, what we have is 80 A-sides. Yeah. Great. There's not enough opponents for that many A-sides. Right. It's ridiculous, man. You know, the purpose of the of the multiple sanctioning bodies, if they serve a purpose, is to make fights. If the sanctioning bodies did not exist, we would not be getting Linares versus Zlati. That would not be happening. No. That fight was forced Golden Boy and DiBella to make a deal, or they were going to make a deal for them. So that is the positivity of having the sanctioning of having the sanctioning bodies. Today's fighter has exploited just as much as the sanctioning bodies have exploited them for money. Today's fighter has exploited them because then they can hide behind the, that shield. So then you take the top four fighters in each division theoretically, and they can all say that they're a sides. Yeah, and they don't ever have to fight each other. That's ridiculous. So you never get the fights that you really want because then hey, I'm an a side. I don't have to do what you tell me. No, I'm an a side. <laughs> Um, all right, some more fights. Uh, who else you like for this year? Well, I like a I like a Selby Russell Jr. matchup, and, and for the fact that look, we got to start like we got to start figuring out who's the best at that weight, man. These guys that are just fighting outside of the top four and avoiding each other. I don't I don't get it. Like, don't you guys? Don't you have like a, a personal competitive drive that you ask yourself? No. <laughs> I, I, am I better than this guy? I think I can beat this guy. I want to. I want to be the best, and this is who I have to fight. But these guys, like like Selby and Russell Jr., they're kind of just hang back. They take little soft fights. It, guys, it's it'll be better for your career if you just get in the ring and fight each other. I don't care if the loser of this fight. It, it's come back. Dude, Gary Russell Jr. fought once. In 2015. I know. It's a joke, man. He got, he, I'm telling you, he got paid too much for that fight. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Because he got paid too much and then was like, what? I just made more money than I've made in my entire life in one fight. What? I, I can do this. I can do this once a year. The, these paydays for these guys that, that are not superstars, man, it, it's just completely fucking up the sport. Isn't know? that crazy? A 27-year-old fighter wins his first world championship against a shot fighter mm-hmm. and... Doesn't fight again. He, he, he fights one time. Why wouldn't you just work with that momentum that you that you built off that Johnny Gonzalez knockout, man? I don't know. Maybe he was hurt. 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> I do not know. Um, what else? We got, uh, I mean, I think everybody. I think this is a fight that, that every fan is 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 ready to see in 2016, and that's Deontay Wilder finally step up and fight a legitimate heavyweight and fight Tyson Fury and try to unify this this division. Yeah, uh, there's a bunch of fights at the heavyweight level that yeah. would make um, for some really good matchups. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, man. I, I you know Wilder needs a big fight more than anybody does. I feel um, you know they can hire Mark Kriegel to come in. And God. and and do a spin piece where they ask uh, where they where they paint Deontay Wilder in the light of a of a guy that wants all these fights, but nobody wants to step up in the ring. You didn't know he was avoided. I think it's what is so perplexing to me is that they had the nerve. But this is what Showtime is doing now. Showtime's not in the business of telling the truth anymore. No. Okay, they're not. They're in the the one hundred percent business of trying to spin everything that they can in a positive light, regardless of what it is, regardless of what it is. Mark Kriegel is now the shill for, sh- for Showtime. He is, and, and you know what? Maybe I wouldn't put it past the fact that Mark Kriegel probably just doesn't know the whole story. So they give right. him some topics, and he goes in and, and tries to spin it in a positive light. But I found it remarkable that they came out and said that they offered Tyson Fury a fight and that Tyson Fury turned it down with the excuse that he didn't have enough time for the fight. I think it's unbelievably, it's so crazy to me that Deontay Wilder, and I get it, Mark Kriegel, but that Deontay Wilder would have the nerve to say this when it was Huey Fury. It was Huey Fury. It was Tyson Fury's cousin. Yeah. It was Tyson Fury's cousin they offered a fight to, and he turned it down because he didn't have enough time to train. Yeah, they got they found a young guy and gave him a month to get ready. But they in the, they do this spin piece and they start plugging in whosever names they want into their reality to make it seem like that it's Tyson Fury that turned down the fight. Look, you can't come out and do these things. Maybe this is 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 damage control. For the idiots like Steven Espinoza who come out and say, oh, well, he's a work in progress. He still needs help. He, he's, not, he's not quite there yet. So they have to do this piece to make it seem like, no, 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 we didn't mean that. He's actually, he's actually there, uh, but nobody else wants to fight him. That whole thing in the beginning when they're, when they're walking through Times Square and Mark Kriegel points out, nobody even knows who you are. Yeah. Nobody knows who Deontay Wilder is. Like, who? He must be somebody famous. He's a tall black guy. Yeah. What's he in the NBA? Yeah, it must be in the NBA. Who, who is that? Well, that's the heavyweight champion of the world. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's got to be kind of a kick in the balls right there, man. Like, and you would think and after that happening, they go sit down and do this interview, and this kid just has this perception of himself that he is so much bigger than he actually is. And it completely just. His his vision of himself is distorted. I don't understand how people around him wouldn't be like, hey, uh, Deontay, we still got a lot of work to do to, to go where you think you are, where you want to be in your own head. But I'm okay with where he is. Right. I like him. I like Deontay Wilder. I, I, I like the fact that he's vulnerable. I like the way that his fights are exciting. Mm-hmm. All this stuff, so I'm okay with all of it. What's the point in, with all the spin? But it's, it's what they do, man. Without the spin, what do they have? They need it. They're not comfortable with the truth. Exactly. I, I don't get it, man. 
I don't get why they have to spin it. The truth is fine. It, it makes him more exciting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like trying to propagate him as being somebody that he's not. I, I think it does more harm than it does than it does good. No, you're exactly right. I mean, what is it doing for this kid's career? Obviously, they're walking down the street in New York. Nobody knows who the hell he is. So the lies and propaganda aren't working to this point. Yeah, I you know, I don't know, man. I, Wilder needs to fight somebody. I mean, look, I get the Povetkin thing. Povetkin did come out and say he needed more time um, after the Marius Walk fight, but he but they're, they're ready to go. Wilder needs to fight a, a top 10 ranked opponent. He cannot... If he goes into his next fight, cannot be a fourth voluntary defense. It cannot be a fourth. Who gets four voluntary defenses? It's not going to be. It's going to be the winner of Martin and Glaskov, which which might as well be a fourth voluntary. It's <laughs> <laughs> what's going to happen, man. You and I both know it. He's not. That is one fight that I would almost I'd put fifty to one odds on that fight happening right now in two thousand sixteen. It's it's just not going to. They are going to avoid that as long as possible. But in the meantime, they'll they'll hire Mark Kriegel to come in and 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 do the propaganda for for the PBC and Showtime. It's like, uh, what is this, man? Are we living in a uh, freaking Third Reich? Like, what, like, what is going on here, man? <laughs> Control the message. Control, Control the, the message. message at all costs. Oh man. Um, yeah, I like to see Wilder against Ortiz. I think uh, just uh, for for just a good old fashioned boy. Let me show you. Let me show you what boxing's all yeah, about. Let me show you what boxing's all about. The Ortiz Fury fight. Love to see. I like to see Ortiz against anybody. I think. He, yeah. I think. I think. Um, as things stand right now, I think the real King Kong, Luis Ortiz. Um, I think he's the best heavyweight in the world. I think he beats any heavyweight in the world right now. I'd love to see him against any heavyweight. So I, my number one for the heavyweight division. From my wish list is Luis Ortiz versus anybody. Yeah, that, that's what I have written down on my papers. Like, look, Ortiz versus anybody in the top five yep. is, a, is a hell of a fight. All right, who else you got? Look, this is, uh, this is maybe a, a little bit of a, you know, something personal myself that I want to see, and maybe a, a lot of other people don't want to see, but I'd like to see Keith Thurman and Danny Garcia mix it up. I think a ton of people would like to see that fight. I think it's, a, you know, maybe not as far as the, the most highest skill in the ring, but it's two guys that, that look to bang a little bit. I think it would be a really, really fun fight. And I, I could see that being, you know, you see Garcia get through Guerrero. You see Thurman get through Porter. I think that fight makes sense. It, it would crown a true 147-pound champion in the PBC. I agree. I think if, that, if, that's, if that's the, you know, but you, you've said this to me when I've sat here and made sense before. <laughs> Vince, you're making too much sense because, yeah, yeah that that would be ideal. It would be ideal for the WBC to come out and say that Thurman versus Gar I mean that 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 Thurman versus Porter, the winner fights Garcia versus Guerrero for the for the vacant WBC welterweight crown. Mm-hmm. Thur- Thurman versus Garcia in my opinion is possible maybe I guess you could argue Thurman versus Khan or Gar I, mean, I don't want to see Garcia versus Khan again. I yeah. guess I guess you could argue Thurman versus Khan, but my opinion, Thurman versus Garcia is the best fight that the PBC can make at 147 pounds. Yeah, and that it makes perfect sense for that to be for the WBC uh, title, since that is going to have to happen in house. Personally, the fight that I'd like to see um, for the WBC, for any title for that matter, but for the vacant uh, WBC crown, um, would would be, in my opinion, uh, Kell Brook versus Amir Khan. I think that's the fight. 
I think that's the fight that everybody wants to see, um, even more than Thurman Garcia. I agree with you, though. I would love to see Thurman versus Garcia. That would be a fight the PBC could make tomorrow, and I'd be perfectly happy with it. Yeah. I'd talk about it and be excited to preview it. Yeah, and then to make even more sense, how about the winner of Thurman Garcia and the winner of Brooke Kahn? I mean, they, that, they, you have now decided in a three-fight stretch for all of those guys, who is the best 147-pounder in the world? You can well, make it happen in 2016. Well, yeah, but I don't think you can, though. With that, you're leaving somebody out. Because I think Timothy Bradley's better than Danny Garcia yeah. and Amir Khan. Yeah, yeah you're I, you right. Know, I don't think I don't know if Bradley can beat Keith Thurman. I think that would be a good fight. We'll, um, we'll see what you know. Manny could put the could beat the bricks off old Timmy. You it, never know. He could. He could. I mean, that, well, that's what I'm saying. Like if you, you know, without Manny Pacquiao and Timothy Bradley being involved in the conversation, right? I mean, for that side of the fence, yes, yeah, it makes sense. But I'm talking about Brook versus Khan standing by itself on an island. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. We, we could sit here and prognosticate some fancy tournament at 147 pounds, including everybody. At the end of the day, I think where boxing is at this point with the disingenuine matchmaking of the PBC, mm-hmm. um, with the fact that it, it becomes so tedious to make fights with delusional fighters of the likes of Amir Khan and Andre Ward and the impossibility of getting guys like this to just step in the ring and actually fight. Just give me Brook versus Khan. Is it that difficult? Just, just give me that fight. <laughs> and we can take that. That is step one on the twelve-step program. You know, <laughs> for boxing, the recovery of boxing, recovery of boxing. Let's just start by making this fight. Um, yeah, man. I, I don't know, man. Um, I think those two fights could go a long way for one forty-seven. I do, I do agree with you there. Uh, no doubt about it. All right, a um, couple more fights here, uh, and we'll close the show. Yeah, I mean, look, this this one for me is just purely a kind of savage bloodlust, just wanting to see David Lemieux and Turiano Johnson, just two guys that just seem to have no regard for their well-being in the ring and just throw bombs. And it's just a, it's one of those fights that you, there's, you know, maybe the skill level isn't that high involved, but Jesus, is that going to be a fun fight? Would that be a fun fight to watch? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think both guys would just come out winging punches. And ain't going the distance. No. No, uh-uh. that would be like one of those, um, uh, uh, one of those steel lumberjack con- contests, right. you know, with the two guys standing on the plank with the, uh, with the axes, just chopping at a big, just stump of wood. Yeah. That would be this fight. Um, yeah. The timber series, the steel timber series. I haven't seen that in a while. Lemieux versus Johnson. It's still on <laughs> Arden Coger jr. Yeah, they're down to the juniors now. The kids are up there chopping wood. You're up too fucking late, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. You know, another fight I really want to see, man, um, and, you know, I think Lemieux versus Johnson would be a ton of fun. Put this fight on the undercard. Nicholas Walters versus Francisco Vargas. Yeah. is a fight. Two guys, extremely long arms, uh, extremely powerful at range. Two guys that had, they got close to each other, I think, would try to knock each other's heads off. Nicholas Walters versus Francisco Vargas, I think, would be an explosive fight. Oh, you, you guarantee it would be. There's a ton of fights you can make at, at, at a junior lightweight right now. I mean, there's just five guys that you could just round robin at all these matchups. They would be unbelievable, man. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, no doubt about it. A mandatory fight that, well, I mean, I think it's all but the fact that uh, when the WBO decides to enforce it, that I yeah. think is going to happen this year. And it'll be the rise of our 2016 prospect, I mean, 2015 prospect of the year um his opportunity at his first world championship 
Christoph Glavatsky versus Oleksandr Usyk for the WBO Cruiserweight Championship of the World. I love this one. Yeah, should be a great fight, and I think we're going to see our boy get get crowned, and it's going to be a run of maybe two or three years where he's just going to clean out that division, man. I, I really believe it. Yeah, I do too. Uh, bringing him, another thing on, on, on the list is bringing Usyk to the United States, I think. Yes. Uh, let's get him over here. Um, you know, he's, he's signed to K2. Uh, he, we know he's a star in the Ukraine. Maybe he wants to fight there for a couple more fights. I don't think they're going to be able to make the Glavatsky fight there. So making it in the United States makes perfect sense. Yeah, start, start throwing him on, <clears throat> on the undercard of Golovkin fights, man. Perfect. Perfect. Um, DeGail versus Badu Jack is a fight I've talked about a couple times. Yeah. Um, and it's a fight that I want to see at 168 pounds. I think that's the fight that I want to see. Um, Gilberto Ramirez versus Arthur Abraham is almost done. I think we'll probably get an announcement mm-hmm. about that fight here in the next uh, uh, probably couple weeks. But uh, James DeGale versus Badu Jack, that's the fight at 168. Yeah, it's definitely the fight at 168. Two guys that had really, really big 2015s. They're, they're coming into 2016 with some steam. Uh, that, that, that fight right there is probably... Uh, I wouldn't want to pick that fight. I wouldn't want to pick a winner of that fight. I know a lot of people think DeGale wins that fight right now, but I think Badu Jack's got this this kind of this different level heart, this different level drive that we saw last year to, to win and to be good, to be great, especially the one guy from the TMT camp that seems to have his head screwed on right. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think that fight is, is awesome, and I, I believe that crowns the best 168-pounder uh, in the world right now. It's because he's not American. <laughs> yeah. if, if he were American, right. he'd be a train wreck. He would be. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that when the going gets tough, let's just say this is complete complete speculation. Let's just say DeGale and Badu Jack are grinding, mm-hmm. and this fight is in the in the tenth round, um, and it's even. I would pick Jack ten times out of ten to to close that fight and win it. I, I would too. I think that's I, what we've more, seen. I just think I'm not saying he has more heart. Right. I think he just has another gear inside of his heart that he can go to. Yeah, and we've seen that from him. So I would I would agree with you a hundred percent. Um, our boy J Rock. What is a fight you want to see from J Rock in uh, in 2016? And we'll go ahead and close our uh, our wish list here. I I think. This fight makes sense for him, and it makes sense for his opponent. I would like to see him fight Demetrius Andrade, and I think it kind of – this isn't going to ruin either guy's career, win or lose. It's just a fight that both of these guys need. I think it would be able to shine some light on both of them and, and basically give us some direction in that division because right now it is just a bunch of guys hanging around calling themselves the best in the world but nobody wants to fucking fight anybody. Yeah, that's 154 pounds in a nutshell. It, it is. It's a joke, man. Yeah, it's a division full of 10 A-sides. These are the two guys. Uh, between J-Rock and Demetrius Andre, I think, in my opinion, those are the two best out of that group. I agree. Right now, that's why I want to see that fight. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that both of these guys, you know, yeah, of course, I'm sure we'll get a couple comments on YouTube about this and you know uh, what about Erzlandi Laura I I just personally think both of these guys are better than Laura I I do too uh you know um so uh, yeah that's a great fight we, we we've given Demetrius Andre some grief on uh episodes we haven't talked about him in a long time no but uh yeah man I think that Demetrius Andre and Julian Williams I think they're the most talented 154s on the planet agree with you 100% let's get it done yeah let's make it happen let's give this division some direction please anything else you want to talk about for the year 2016 anything that you want to say looking into the future 
as we are about to kick things off here um, with the first big fight weekend of the new year. I hope in 2016 that the kind of the the gaps can be bridged in the sport that the hands could be extended across the table a little bit more willingly it's it only helps everybody it helps the entire sport everybody's bottom line improves it it just makes sense for everybody put aside your petty bullshit and everything else that comes along with i don't want to deal with him and i don't want to deal make it happen for the sport for your bottom line it just come on it, it makes sense for the fans, the sport, your bottom line. Everybody makes money when everybody is working together. Right. And when the fans are happy, you're making even more money. So come on, idiots. <laughs> Get it done in 2016, please. Yes, please. Extend an olive branch. Extend an olive branch so you know the people that to have only listened to 10 minutes of our show um, you know, will, will, will think that we are you know, all rainbows and ponies here right. on, on the tail of the tape, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? I think for, I think I agree with you. I think I would like to see my resolution for boxing would be that everybody would work together. Um, and also that, uh, you know, another thing I'd like to see in 2016 is that people stop trying to manipulate the public. Yeah. Um, I'd really like to see the, the, the fluff, the, the blatant lying, the, the the spinning of the narrative, um, you know, because we're going to keep exposing this. Our audience is not shrinking. No. Okay? Our audience for this show, whether you like the show or not, is growing, and it's growing fast, and we're not going to stop talking about it. So it would be advisable for people to stop lying because the more lying that goes, the more we're going to talk about it. Yeah. And the more that we're going to expose um, the nonsense that goes on in the sport and that would be a huge resolution that I would like to see for 2016 would be that there'd be a, a, a bit more honesty and a bit more transparency. And honestly, I would love to, I think the one thing I'm looking forward to more than any of the fights, I wouldn't say more than the fights, take the actual in-ring stuff and the wish list stuff, put that over here. Mm-hmm. There's one thing I'm looking forward to in 2016 is Al Heyman being deposed by a grand jury and him having to answer questions and seeing his face and his mouth and hearing his voice actually having to answer a question. That, to me, that would make my entire year. I, I know. I can't believe that's actually going to happen. Uh, look, I see that thing getting delayed, 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 delayed. The thing won't be in court until 2018. It doesn't matter. It's, no. It doesn't matter. I don't care how long it gets delayed. There, he has to answer questions. Yeah, he's going to have to show up at the first uh, the first. So hearing. who cares? Right, right. At the end of the day, this, this man that supposedly has all his fighters' best interest at heart who refuses to actually speak on behalf of his fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would hope in 2016 that um, that some of the fighters under the PBC banner would realize that while they may be making a little bit more money than they would otherwise right now, mm-hmm. um, that at the end of the day, the guy that you so vehemently defend um, and will, will seemingly defend to the death has no interest of actually defending you and speaking on your behalf or, or putting your career in the right direction. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, there's some interesting things for 2016, a lot of things. It's a very exciting year and it's an exciting time to be a podcaster. Um, and good luck to all of our fellow podcasters out mm-hmm. in the, um, uh, the podcasting universe. Everybody has their own little niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, may the force be with you. Um, and, uh, you know, best of luck to everybody. Yeah. I'm with you, brother. 
So there you have it. That's episode 99 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. We'll be back in just a few days with episode 100 as we bring you the post-fight of Deontay Wilder versus Artur Spielka. And more boxing from around the globe as it marked the return of the haymaker, David Hay, as he squared off against Mark DeMori. Plus a preview of the vacant WBC welterweight title clash between the ghost Robert Guerrero as he challenges undefeated Danny Garcia. So tune in to episode 100 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. For my co-host Vince Cummings, who you can follow on Twitter at VinceCummings81, I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. Be sure to drop by theboxingrant.com for all the audio and video links to today's show and so much more. Subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today. But a special thanks goes out to all of you that tune in every week as we stand on the precipice of 100 episodes. We'd like to thank you. And we'll see you for episode 100 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.